0: The Bowling Podcast is scheduled for one ball with no time. Left. Super hot fire. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far on Vince's No, what? no, 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 Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, you, are. you defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This, this is the Jabberknocker Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a Wrestlemania recap edition of the Knocker Podcast. I am JC alongside my guy, Nestlemania, and Nestlemania, it was too
1: big for one night. It was too big for one night. As a matter of fact, it was Christmas two times over. I was excited. We all had a great time watching it. I think we got a lot of stuff to uh, to talk about, so I think it's probably best to just start, baby.
0: Yeah, let's jump right into it. And uh, We both, I think, our two favorite things were the same, but I think we each leaned one way or the other, so I'll let you kick it off. What was your favorite part of WrestleMania? I could
1: not, under any circumstances, overstate this enough, folks. I loved, no, I... I would marry this segment if I could. The Firefly Funhouse match is my favorite thing on WrestleMania weekend. And everybody's going to say it's not a match, it's a segment, yada, yada, whatever. But I'm going to break down right now why I think this is worth every second of every moment and why it was the best part of WrestleMania. JC, are you ready?
0: I am so ready.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's wiggling without the music. (laughs) All right, so here... This is the part that I'm going to break down the entire match. This is why I love this, right? It talks with the Firefly Funhouse match. We didn't know anything going out. John Cena came out, him and Han having a good time. Welcome to WrestleMania. They cut in between old you know, parts of WrestleMania saying, you know, welcome to WrestleMania, and Vince, actually, there was a part, and very quickly you could see the devil, and it was saying, it's such good shit in slow motion. That made me giggle, right? And then John John Cena has to face himself, folks. That's the difference maker here. You can talk about anything that you saw, whether Drew McIntyre one or Braun Strowman. These are all great highlights of WrestleMania that we'll talk about later. But John Cena was thinking he was going to face The Fiend or Bray Wyatt, but he had to face himself. And to me, that was the most telling part of this entire thing, because John Cena is Superman. And how can Superman lose? Against Bizarro Superman. And we're going to break down everything in here that I, just, I, I am so fascinated by. They go, they start, once he gets through the Firefly Funhouse, which, again, I don't know how he got there. I don't know if there's a teleportation device, or if we're moving time and space. Who the hell knows? But he gets in there, and he goes through the door that says, you know, don't come back, basically. And he gets interrupted by Vince McMahon puppet, giving him that regular Vince McMahon speech about grabbing the brass ring, doing all these things that everybody makes fun of, Vince, in shoot interviews. And he's doing it, and it's like, how do they get away with this stuff? I figured... Somebody's going to get canned with some of the stuff that's being said, but (laughs) it's amazing that what they got, you know, got through the the walls. I'm sure Vince was chuckling every time he saw it, but then they get into the, the crux of everything. And this is where I started to love this. If you go back and you watch the ruthless aggression documentary on WWE network, free plug for them. John Cena spent the duration of that entire interview talking about how the ruthless aggression promo, the ruthless aggression match against, you know, Kurt angle was his biggest failure because he said he was going to step up and he didn't. And they actually played that as his biggest fear. He comes out in the gear as uh, the old-school robotic John Cena, Mr., uh, I think they called him, roll-up, wacky roll-up dude. And he came out in his pink and blues. He cuts a promo, or sorry, he he does the exact promo that uh, Kurt and him did, except this time around he says ruthless aggression, whiffs, misses, and Bray just kind of looks at him does that thing. But the best part of this entire thing, he snuck in a, you can look, but you can't touch. (laughs) That was, that was... I'm sure that was a Cena call, but God damn, it was that funny. And I just loved it. And the fact that it was just the robotic responses, it went back to the, the prototype feel. It made it feel like he wasn't Superman. So we're getting this entire thing. And then we cut to the Saturday night's main event part where they're making fun of the body image, which is what we we're talking about for a while. That's John Cena, a body guy. Yes, he can wrestle. Yes, he can put together great psychology. But I mean, that's basically what everybody would say is John Cena is a great body. He's not a great wrestler and just the fact that they poked fun at it and the fact that the muscle man was basically making fun of Vince McMahon and and why he picked John Cena as Superman. I couldn't get enough of that shit. Like I just, I couldn't break down how much fun I was having during that segment, especially with how over the top they both were with the blue cage, just having a good time. Like that to me showed that that was when they're together and call it, I think they called them big John steak or big John strong or something like that. (laughs) Like, stupid shit here and there but it just it worked and then we get over to the rapper part where obviously everybody was excited about because the rapping gimmick is what brought him to the dance he does that whole thing right but the part that I really really enjoyed is it's like okay this is the part in which you think John Cena is going to get back into you know come back in his dream and beat up Bray Wyatt and all that stuff but he actually showed what I've been harking on for months maybe years Josh who the fuck is Josh you know I say this all the time this is why I hate the rock he basically showed that John Cena went out there and made fun of Huskis' weight. <laughs> he made fun of people's weight, and he actually said in the promo, he says, you make fun of other people to get ahead. You cut other people off and you cut them down so they can't become something, so you can stay something. And that right there is very telling, because it basically unraveled everything about John Cena throughout this entire night. It basically disrobed all the armor that is Super Cena. And I was just falling in love with this more and more the more. I watched it. And then they did the best part right here. He called him the golden goose and that he's the real slept for opportunity. That to me was just like, that makes me feel so good because it's, everybody says the same thing. And we've always joked about this in the podcast. John Cena comes out, has somebody and they face him. It's like, oh yeah, it's a lot easier when you're Super Cena and it's the same song and dance. But here it gets critical, right? It gets to a point where he actually gets to a point of talking about, you know, why you're the Golden Goose? You're always getting the opportunities. I've never gotten opportunities. I have to you know scratch and claw, and all that stuff. Like that's fun for me listening to somebody that passionately feeling that. And then, you know, Cena tries to sneak up on him or do something. He and obviously Bray gets out of the way, hits him with the chain. One bump so far in this entire thing, by the way. That was the first bump. And then we get to the old school Bray Wyatt, which I clamored for because I thought it was a nice little touch here. And he made a comment in his rocking chair also, saying something about how he was having the whole world in his hands they cut back to the wrestlemania 30 thing they also cut into this was a part everybody the internet is blowing up there was a physical lady that looked like sister abigail so people are thinking that sister abigail might become a real person still i wouldn't put my money on that but you guys do what you want and then they get to a whole point of this is the part that i was really really interested in We've been talking about John Cena's failures the entire time, folks, right? We've been talking about the biggest failures of John Cena's life. You've been seeing everything. And then we get to Bray Wyatt's biggest failure. And I think that's interesting because Bray didn't have to do that. He offered his biggest failure up because if you look closely at this entire thing, the biggest failure that Bray Wyatt had – It is actually the opening that he needs to do something in his life. He gives the the chair to John Cena. This entire lead-up to WrestleMania 30 was Bray Wyatt trying to get John Cena to turn heel, to come to the dark side, to listen to the audience, to listen to the audience, John. And he threw that chair down and still became Super Cena till this day. But in this one, he takes a shot and misses, thus putting so many other things into a tailspin of stuff that we would have never seen before. And we go down a different road of things that we've never thought of. And this is the part that I get to say a lot of people, old school wrestlers love. We got NWO John Cena and Eric Bischoff Bray Wyatt. This was in, insane for me because it was making fun of the fact that this is what John Cena would be. He would be the biggest heel in the business, just like Hulk Hogan. Bray Wyatt playing probably the best Eric Bischoff impersonator I've ever seen doing that whole thing. I love you. I love you. You know, the whole thing was so fucking good. This, this just, it takes a turn every single time. And it accentuates a different point of everything that goes on here. And then it gets to a point where you think John Cena is going to continue to be a heel, turns around, tries to do something and actually gets a bump, second bump on Bray Wyatt. And then they start beating him up. And then we just see flashes of all of John Cena's failures. He's had a lot of them, folks. But you see all these failures. They culminate into a point where they cut back out. Bray Wyatt is no longer there. We get Huskis, And he's beating up Huskis, by the way. If you pay attention, Huskis is the name from Husky Harris, which is, I think, a throwback here for him to absolutely pummel and kill the Nexus back in the day, which might also be one of his biggest failures because the crowd hated him. That's where Super Cena basically was born. And then we get to a point where The Fiend shows up, hits him, puts him in Sister Abigail. We hear the part that I think is the most telling and the biggest bow on this entire thing. He's going to end the overhyped and overprivileged superstar. He talked about Bray Wyatt, but what he really meant was ending himself, gets the mandible claw, out the one, two, three. And John Cena, much like he says to everybody else, you can't see me, has now evaporated into existence. And I think... That right there is so telling because I think it's definitely something that he can come back when he needs to. Maybe he'll be a different version of himself. My hope is an additional WrestleMania hope is that John Cena will not be the same John Cena if he doesn't come back for a while. If he does come back, great. But I think there's a, a chance here, JC, that we don't see John Cena for a very long time. And if we do... It's gonna be a different John Cena coming back and I think it's gonna be a little bit more edgier. I really do. Maybe not a heel, but I think it's gonna be definitely a lot edgier.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, that is why I love this. It I honestly, I completely love this too. This was like incredible watching it. Obviously, we're watching on the Zoom with the fellow Knocker boys and we were all just enthralled in it. We were laughing, we were crying, it was it was beautiful, and especially like someone like what my job is, like editing. Like, watching how this was edited together, this was one of the best edited things I had ever seen in my life. Like, it was just, every single thing was well done, and I can't state enough how much of a fucking superstar Bray Wyatt is. Because John Cena was absolutely perfect and incredible in this, but Bray Wyatt, like, this is what he was meant to do. And you could tell it, he, every single thing he did was a home run, grand slam, hole-in-one, like, just perfection i i did i adored everything about this and i honestly think that the way they did this and with him like being evaporated i don't think we're gonna see Cena for a while like you said but i think when we do these two could meet again because obviously this wasn't the most traditional thing and yes they've had it in the past but i think even though this was like bray wyatt deleting him from existence i still think there's an opportunity because you remember in the lead up bray did say he's like you're going to be staying here in the fun house. And I think that leaves it open for someday for Cena to either be used by Bray or eventually like them to come again, which again, I wouldn't hate because these two together is pure magic.
1: Oh yeah. I just, I couldn't overstate this enough. I mean, I, you know, everybody sits there and saying, Oh, it's not a match. It's not a this, it's whatever. But the thing is, is like neither was the boneyard match either. And I think, you know, these two stood out in different ways and I think they're both perfect for different reasons, but I think that it definitely made us, realized that we were watching something other than a warehouse WrestleMania. Yes. And I think that's why I love both of these things very much.
0: I will disagree with you saying that the Boneyard wasn't a match because that was more of a match. It was pretty much a Buried Alive match. Like, that was the point. And that actually was my favorite part of WrestleMania weekend. Like, the Firefly Funhouse was right there. But this, the Boneyard, I give an extra edge to because this thing, watching it on Saturday – I was just so blown away. Like obviously it it hit you right off the bat with the entrance and it's like the Undertaker's entrance and all of a sudden AJ Styles with a shitting grin pops out of the coffin. We don't want none. I was just like I was already in. I was like they already – this match is already a success and it hasn't started yet. And then I saw the Undertaker and I had to keep looking at him because I was like the Undertaker has not looked this good and this legit since God knows when. Since I've been calling him a geriatric jobber. Like he looked incredible. The bandana helped. I love the fucking biker thing and everything. Like, it's just... That's the stuff that I love. And it was just... The way they presented this match... It solidified to me. It's like, okay... You guys want to keep running The Undertaker out there? You can use him in situations like this. Like, these types of matches, yes. Do we want to see them all the time? Of course not, because they'll get overdone. That was what our boy Ray Ray was concerned about. But I think with a guy like The Undertaker... Who clearly is past his prime and can't wrestle anymore he looked amazing in this, like all the spots they did when they were on the roof and everything. Like I was enthralled the entire time. I thought it was like the, the ingenuity in this match was off the charts. They just kept doing things that like, you know, just like, wow, i like, I never would have thought to try something like this with these two guys. And that's why I thought it was a home run grand slam. I did rewatch it. Cause I loved it. It was my favorite part of the weekend. It obviously stole the show on Saturday. I think it's a big reason why they put it on last. Cause they knew nothing could follow it. Um, And it just, I was completely blown away. And you know as me, as the Undertaker hater the last couple years, um, as he's entered his Twilight years. Like, he absolutely shined in this. AJ shined in this. They had the goons out there. They even had the druids out there that turned on the Undertaker because they turned out to be AJ's goons. Like, it just, it had everything to me. And the reason why I did give it an edge is because the Firefly Funhouse, yes. Do I agree it wasn't a match? Sure. Didn't bother me, though, because I loved it. It was one of the greatest segments of all time. But I also thought this was one of the greatest segments of all time. And this one, to me, was just more... I don't know, it just got me more. I don't know if it was because it was the first one I saw and it already like reached that expectation. So for the fun house, like even though I loved it, it wasn't first. But I, I just... For me, this, this Boneyard match was... It obviously exceeded my expectations. I did talk about how... My expectations were growing for it, but the fact that they still found a way to completely, completely blow those expectations out of the water, I was just blown away. It's something I can rewatch over and over again. I think you can show something like this is the difference for me between the two, and I'm not saying it's a positive or a negative because, again, I love them both. But I think if you show non-wrestling fans the Firefly Funhouse, they'd be really confused because I think some wrestling fans are confused. But if you show them the Boneyard match, I think everyone's going to love it and think it's badass. I think that's why this thing will. I know you did a poll on jo, the Jabberknocker Twitter. I think that's a big reason why this is winning, um, because the Firefly Funhouse is so unique, and I personally love that. But this just this Boneyard match, I think you could literally show to any human, and they'd be like, "Wow, that was like a short movie. That was awesome."
1: I don't. I don't discredit it that it was a short movie. It was wonderful. For again, we're we're gonna go back and forth on what we believe in and what we think is best. But for me, when I looked at it, I went, "Okay, if." Bray Wyatt was in this matchup, this made, in my opinion, everybody better when you watch John Cena and you watch Bray Wyatt. And it was, and it was, I think it was something that uh, it had a lot of inside jokes. It had a lot of different things that I think a lot of people like you and I were giggling at and having a good time and saying, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did that. Versus the Boneyard match, let's, let's call it what it was. It was really a way to resurrect the Undertaker. It was already trying to take somebody that was already established and making somebody that was already made, maybe add three to five years of his career. Well, if that's he keeps what I mean. Think about it WrestleMania.
0: Like the fact that this is at WrestleMania, which is supposed to be The Undertaker's like, place until he lost his ship by losing to Lesnar and Reigns, like, he got it back and re-solidified himself as the main attraction of WrestleMania. And it just reiterating, I'll get up. Actually, I, I do have a hope about this, so I don't want to blow it too much. But I have a hope about The Undertaker. That's how much this meant to me and how much I love this.
1: You have a hope about The Undertaker. That's very interesting. I know. That's, very I think interesting.
0: that's the first time ever. I mean, it wasn't a hope for him to get off my TV. Like, I
1: want more of him. Well, look, I'm not going to yell at you and scream at you and tell you that the Boneyard match wasn't great. I because just think it was for great. me, it was great. I just think that for me, when I was looking at this, I thought to myself, it already, John Cena was the incumbent. He was the guy. He's been the guy. And he he stated to what he stated in his actual promo on February 28th at SmackDown in Boston. He was investing in the future and he basically laid down and let Bray Wyatt basically do whatever he wanted and basically character assassinated John Cena. And still John Cena turned out looking like a million dollars versus you go to the Boneyard match. Yes, both men look great and AJ Styles fake hand is in the, the dirt or whatever. And hopefully AJ Styles comes back at some point. He will be. But, you know the Undertaker, it it was great, but there was, you know, again, there were there were instances in which you go, you know, do you really need the Undertaker's, you know, chrome ass light and fire at the end of that thing? No, but yes, it was you absolutely bad. did.
0: That was fucking badass. It was, badass. <laughs> it was,
1: it was badass. But again, you know, it's pot me kettle black. But for me, I just there's something about John Cena being able to just give back, and I thought that I'm sure the Undertaker definitely gives back in, in different ways. But it was just so much better for me to see John Cena do something so un-John Cena-like, to have Bray Wyatt finally get that stamp of approval, to have Bray Wyatt finally get to that point of which he needed something to happen. And The Undertaker is just status quo. And it's just like, in terms of, uh, in my opinion, in terms of launching somebody, I think Bray Wyatt has a longer trajectory based off of Sunday. But Saturday, it helped launch The Undertaker. Well, he was further down. So I guess it's... It's just different for me because I feel like The Undertaker's already up the echelon. He's just fallen down a couple pegs versus Bray Wyatt really hasn't had that moment, J.C. So and this you're, is the moment what where you're it...
0: arguing is different than which one was better because, look, for me, they're 1A and 1B. I thought they were incredible. I'd just lean the Boneyard slightly. But what you're arguing is, like, where it can take us from there as opposed to if you just look at it 1v1 and you don't think about anything that happened before or after and you just watch the two things, that's why I, why I'm arguing I think the Boneyard wins slightly even though I think both were – perfect infinity flames like of greatness and that's why we're leading the show we've literally worked almost 20 minutes in the show and this is all we've talked about all right um i don't know if you have any final thoughts on it but we probably should move on since there were what Yes, let's move matches? on let's move on fine fine um all right well fine. let's let's just keep mixing it up what was your next favorite part besides these two matches of
1: wrestlemania i had a soft spot for otis yes. and mandy always in the shine baby <laughs> just because i didn't the match the match itself was arbitrary it didn't matter we were all waiting for what, the the Gaga, as we say, uh, waiting for what was going to happen. Waiting for the I would say, Mandy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't believe I'm actually putting her in the shine. Oh. Uh, but there's there's so much about it that I was just, I was so fascinated by. But I think the one thing that I get, I think that gets kind of undercut on this entire thing is Sonia and Dolph Ziggler actually don't look bad together. Mm-hmm. And I would, I'd want to, I'd want to invest in seeing that team or tandem continue because I think it's, Like the misunderstood guys that are like, oh, you know, we're just trying to help and try to do this and try to do that. You know, like clearly they're the bad guys. But when I watched it, I went, no, like this seems right. And then Mandy comes, you know, stomping out and slapping or whatever. I really would have wished that, you know, that Pyro had gone off in front of 80,000 people Mm -hmm. with a kiss and the whole deal. I think it would have made Otis a bigger star. I think, it, you know, having that moment for Otis would have been amazing. But again, we get what we get and we can't get upset. So it is what it is. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I love
0: this. As you know, we've been talking about this storyline for, what, like eight months? Like, this is the longest storyline going to the WrestleMania. This thing's been going probably almost a calendar year, if you include Twitter. Actually, it's been going on since NXT, so it's been going on for, like, four or five years. But it just, like, it was so well done. Like, with Mandy coming out, the slap, she gives Dolph the low blow. Otis is his worm, where the one thing I did is, yes, like, it sucks that we didn't have a crowd. But what I, what I did is, when I was watching it, I just imagined the crowd was there. And it just made it even more special because you could feel the energy when Mandy came out and when she hit Dolph and whatever. And then Otis does the worm. You could feel the crowd doing it with him, counting the one, two, three. And then the moment when he picks her up and you have that very uncomfortable kiss that was still the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And as they were walking up the ramp, yes, I imagine that pyro, the fireworks. Like that was just like this was just something that wrestling, wrestling, WWE found a way to do a beautiful love story. And like in like a sitcommy way, but make it like incredible and like have great storytelling. Like this was just this was beautiful. Like you said, the match was whatever, but this was just this was just this was a moment. You talk about WrestleMania moments, like Yes, did it suffer the fact of not having a crowd? Yes, but it's still, like, this is such a pinnacle moment. This, honestly, could be the biggest moments of Otis's and Mandy's careers ever. Who knows, going forward, because this story was so good. Even if, for some reason, they both become, like, world champions or something, it doesn't even matter. Like, this story was just so beautiful and so well done, and just, oh, it was special, man.
1: It was good. I will say it was good. I'm surprised you've gone this far without talking about your roar.
0: Uh, well, we're going to get there, but uh, I, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to stick with the, the cream of the crop because everything we've mentioned so oh. far is Perfect Flames. The next thing I have okay. I also think was Pretty Perfect Flames, and that was the latter match for the tag team titles between singles competitors – and like yes, this is from like you would say, Planet Fafluga. It makes no fucking sense. But once it started, it didn't fucking matter because those three guys, Jimmy Oakes, Uso, Kofi Kingston, and John fucking Morrison stole the fucking show on Saturday before we got into the real meat of it. Like this it was just like incredible. You have three incredibly athletic guys. And I thought this was the best. John Morrison has ever looked ever in a match I've ever seen. I know you're a hater, but I thought he just fucking shined in this. Obviously, we know Jimmy and Kofi in ladder matches can do it, but this mix was perfect. I love the ending with all three guys having it, and then the shit-hitting heel getting it just to kind of fall in his lap. Like, I just thought that was well done because it was unique, and it kind of gave you that moment at the end like, oh, my God, who won? We're all like, oh, my God, did they tie? What happened? It was just those are the things I'm looking for that really stand out and make it a little extra memorable because – it was something that you didn't expect, and I, I enjoyed this belt-to-belt.
1: I thought it was a decent match. I thought that, you know, I'm always a big fan of ladder matches, so I'll always be entertained by those things. I think the it's hard for me to get... I'm a stick in the mud kind of person when it comes to certain things. If I got something in my craw, I ain't changing it. As you know, I'm very, very, very specific. But the ladder match for me was just kind of a... It was a bummer because I kind of wanted to see all six guys do everything. So I think that we're going to get a redo or we're going to get something different and that's fine. But I just, there's something about it that didn't feel right to me to have Jimmy Uso, Kofi, and then John Morrison in there again, still great athleticism, having them fall. And clearly one of the crash mat fits were there because there was no thing like, I'll forgive that too. But again, in a real, you know, real world scenario, they have to do it in one take. So it was just kind of like little things here and there that they got away with that I wouldn't necessarily, I think because it was a ladder match and there were so many other singles matches and that there were so many things that were not so special. I think that things like this were the reasons why they were special. So you go, okay, a ladder match. Everybody's going to get boned up for a ladder match, so it can't be bad. But in my opinion, I'm never going to remember this matchup in my life. I'm just not. Can you like, just There say are so it. many other wrestlers. Can you just say it? What? John Morrison was really good in this match. Say it. He was. There you he, go. He, say look, the word. Say.
0: I want to hear his name. John, John,
1: John, John, John Morrison has a role in the WWE, and that has to do – ridiculously athletic things, but not make any goddamn sense when he does it or why he does it. He just does it. And it's pretty, but he shouldn't be anywhere sniffing anywhere on the upper middle card. He should be down to the bottom, maybe mid if he's lucky and just sniffing everybody else's jock. I don't think so. He should be down the bottom doing his flips and dips and whatever. Cause he's a one trick pony and his terrible. Mike skills. You are, God such, the mic. you
0: are so out of bounds. You are so out of bounds.
1: It was 18 minutes. 18 minutes, JC. That was a little too long for me. No, that was 18
0: minutes of beauty. You want to talk about Toulon? You want to get there next? The match that we were all most hyped for, and look it. Did I enjoy parts of it? Of course, but yeah, like, we're we're not in the minority here. I think it's freaking everyone saying it. Edge Orton was way too long. I think it was over 40 minutes if you include the package and the entrances and everything. Like, the idea of it was awesome because it was two guys you could tell hate each other. They were beating the piss out of each other. They were using everything around them. They even had some, like, cringeworthy spots with a possible hanging and stuff. But it's just, like, for something like this, like, yeah, if this was especially part of, like, an eight-hour WrestleMania, I think it would have been absolutely brutal. Um, thank God this was split over two nights. But this just... For something that would have been so much better if it was like 10, 15 minutes shorter, it just, it kind of sucks because it kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth, even
1: though there were parts of it I really enjoyed. I will give them credit for keeping my attention for most of this matchup, but I don't believe that Edge and Orton, in a last man standing match, as we talked about, the the they were handcuffed by the match stipulation. That's, you don't get any satisfaction from counting to 10. Don't you don't get any satisfaction... I don't think you get any satisfaction from counting 10. I really don't. I, I and especially where you can't count the ten with the crowd, if the crowd's not there to count the 10. I feel like it loses the energy. That's what it comes down to for me. And this was just weird to see them on top of a truck for basically no reason, just fucking around when I would have preferred somebody making a big kaboom off the truck and then counting the 10, that would have been fine. But I guess we had too many kabooms in this match and then other matches as well. I'm sure we'll talk about jumping off certain things, but to me, I thought this was a complete shank. I thought this was, and I don't think it could have ever delivered what we wanted it to. It was really nice to see edge. The one thing I did notice was there was something about this match that I don't think it was good for edge because edge already needs to change his move moveset needs to change his mindset. Yep. And this to me was showing somebody that was already handcuffed in a handcuffed match made him seem like he was just some guy. Versus what we believe Etch to be. And that has nothing against the fact that he came back after nine years. I'm saying the fact that, like, the match was handcuffed to begin with. Like, this isn't vintage Randy Orton, in my opinion. This was just two guys upset yelling at each other and beating each other up and talking. And, and the, the other thing, too, is I don't think they had the same type of element of smack talk that the AJ Styles and Paker had or even Bray Wyatt and John Cena had. I think this one would have been a lot better if there was a lot more Smack talking and, and and more elements to lead us along because thirty six minutes without a lot of vocal stuff is really just spot after spot after spot, and after a while you have to listen to Byron Saxton and Todd Phillips who are terrible. Well, no, not terrible. They're just they're no, not they're WrestleMania quality. They're not WrestleMania yeah, quality.
0: They're average.
1: So to me, I thought that was it. I thought this again. You, you have to deal with what you have. But for me, I looked at this and went, this was a complete waste of my time. 36 minutes, 35 seconds of time, to be specific.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I honestly agree with a lot of that. I think, I don't know if they're going to um, meet again, but I agree. The one thing you brought up is, I would have loved more, especially Randy Orton's smack talk, because I think like, like that's something that he does well. Um, and we just, for some reason, didn't get it. But one match that I thought uh, really did do well, I mean, I think we talked about it, we kind of expected it to kind of have a, a big moment, that was Seth and KO. We knew it would uh, be an entertaining match. Um, the way they booked it, I actually was okay with, a lot of the times when you have the schmas and restarts or whatever, I like this one, though, because it made sense. Seth tried to weasel himself out of the match by hitting KO with the ring bell. You get an extra point for using the rainbow, It's my favorite thing in the world. But KO, in true babyface fashion, badass babyface, as saying, no, 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 I don't want to win like that. I want to beat you. And then, of course, we get the fucking jump off the sign, which was fucking incredible, amazing. I loved it. It was iconic. It just the one thing that sits in the back of my mind was like, damn it. He was going to jump off the fucking pirate ship if they were in an arena, and that would have been even <laughs> even more amazing. But still, this was something yeah. that never happened before. It was awesome, and it was a great moment for KO well-deserved.
1: Yeah, and I think, again, we're talking moments. When I, when I listen to all these things or, or, or look at all these things, I think to myself, did they create a moment for themselves? Did they create a moment of themselves? Will I remember this ten, fifteen years from now? I'll remember him jumping off a sign. I'll remember him winning with a stunner. You know what I got I'll remember that stuff. I won't necessarily remember the whole match, but I think this was this one did enough for me as a fan where I watched it and went, Okay, you made enough of an impression, pun intended and I think that it made it good enough that both men came out looking better than they did when they walked in, which is hard to do considering seventeen or what eighteen matches that they had. And I think they did a good job. I think they did a decent enough job and he came out on Monday. We'll talk about it later, but I think it, it, it was all undone after that. And that's all you have to do.
0: Yeah. Um, and that was, I mean, I'm still looking at this. we got a bunch of matches. to will talk about that. I still really loved. And there's some main events that we haven't even talked about yet, but I want to get to one next that I think was just, I think because of the ending, people forgot how fucking good it really was. And that was Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. It actually kicked off night two. It was the first match of Sunday. Um, I thought this match was extremely competitive. I thought both of them looked amazing. I thought even though Rhea lost, I thought this made her even more because it it showed. It's like, look it. Rhea can hang with the number one for 20 minutes, and I'm fucking into it, and I want to see this again. And, yes, you can make all the jokes or jabs at Charlotte you want, but the one thing we always forget, and we always used to have a joke, like never bet against Charlotte like when you're doing predictions because she's Charlotte. And, like, legitimately, it's like she is Charlotte Flair. She is the greatest – uh, female superstar of all time in WWE. I, I have no problem saying that at all. I don't even think it's close. And the, Rhea Ripley's an up-and-comer. She's 23 years old. I thought she looked great. Did it suck that she lost? Would I have had her lose? Probably not, no. But coming out of it, like I'm very intrigued now how they deal with Charlotte because Charlotte now has a whole new roster of opponents she could possibly face. And I still don't think these two are done. And I think Charlotte Rhea Part 2 could be even better than Charlotte Rhea Part 1.
1: Sure. I will say I don't really – the match itself was very physical. I thought that the submission finish was an interesting way to go considering what would happen. Yeah. And making her tap out is hard because they've built Rhea so well so far and having her be the U.K. champion and the NXT Women's Champion. But I will say for this much, I know the backcracker was sitting there screaming his head off talking about how bad he, he really didn't want this to happen and Charlotte Flair, the shoveler, and all that stuff. And other people I, I saw are on the timeline. But here's here's what I've thought of, right? Charlotte Flair really doesn't have anything else to do. She really doesn't have anything else to really give on Raw or SmackDown. But if you look look at the NXT roster, there are women there that are missing maybe one, two, three tops kind of traits or just that experience that they need. And I think by having Charlotte down there for, you know, I'd say I'd love to see Charlotte down there until maybe the next Royal Rumble. Just have her down there for a while and have the time. Even if she doesn't win, have the time to face all these women and get them where they need to be so that the next set of women that come up can be just as good as Charlotte or at least maybe even one tier below her. Because even if that's the case, that still speaks volumes of how deep that roster could be. And I think by having a couple of NXT hangovers, sorry, hangovers, trying to do the TJDQ thing, <laughs> NXT takeovers with Charlotte against somebody will put more butts in the seats. I think it'll give different mashups And I think that it would be interesting because there's such a huge roster down there that maybe she doesn't win. But imagine Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair, right? Like, that that entices me sign right me away. Up. You know what I mean? There's so many Tegan interesting matchups. Flair,
0: sign me up. Like, the list right. goes on.
1: Yeah, it's just there's so many things there in that roster that you go, yeah, of course, that makes perfect sense. And so I, I think that that's, you know, there were, you know, I forget. I think Triple H might have said it on on the, on a conference call once. Is why Finn Balor's down there. Is that sometimes people aren't going to have, you know, they're just not going to have anything to do on, you know, Raw or SmackDown for a while. So now Triple H is going to go, hey, give me that guy or that girl for six months. I'm okay with that because this is what it was. It wasn't a demotion. It's now going to invest in your future. You're you're investing in your women's division. You know, a Candice LeRae, who in my opinion isn't that great in terms of like certain things, maybe rubbing up against Charlotte helps. I think Dakota Kai having that happen. You know, like you can go through the whole effing roster where you look at them and you go like, all these women getting a spot against Charlotte is going to seem like wrestling a legend in the making. You know what I mean? So I think it's a huge positive in going forward.
0: Yeah. And I think so too. And the other big thing is like um, NXT is really known more as the more pure wrestling show. And Charlotte really hasn't been doing a ton of actual wrestling on the main roster. She's just kind of been in like, you know, fighting people who weren't quite on her level, whether it's just a random match or whatever, until she won the rumble, because they just, like you said, didn't have much for her to do. She's fought Becky a million times. She's fought Bailey a million times. She's fought Sasha a million times. There was more for here to her to do down there, and I hate that we're saying down there. We shouldn't be saying at NXT. We should be saying at NXT. And I think that the matchups are intriguing. I think we're going to get to see her really, really wrestle some of these women. Like, like you said, Io Shirai is a big one for me. Like, imagine them getting like a twenty-minute match in NXT or maybe at a takeover or something. I think that's super exciting. And I also think that this is the best way to further this Rhea feud, because I mean, I would assume eventually Rhea could still be the one to beat her. And I would not, this would be a series where I wouldn't mind if they faced each other like three or four times, because I just thought the first one was so good.
1: Gotcha. Where would you (laughs) like to go next, sir,
0: out of what is left? Well,
1: I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, it might just be best to go through and, just pissed through him cuz I don't necessarily love anything else like you
0: I did I, I will cut you off there because I did love the Smackdown Women's Championship match. Um, I had it very low in my power rankings. I didn't expect to. And yeah, it started kind of clunky cuz Tamina was in there, but I liked the way they eliminated her. Uh, they couldn't do it alone, so they had to team up and do like the little pile on and then nothing against Naomi, but once they got her out of there and we got down to the, like the crux of it of Bailey, Sasha and Lacey, I thought this match got really good. Because the storytelling between Bailey and Sasha was incredible. And then, even once Sasha was out, I thought Bailey and Lacey's finished there in one on one. Like, I want to see that again. I thought they did a really nice job.
1: Uh, you know what? I, I, just, I don't think this gave me a lot to be desired for. I think this was a complete waste of my time, wow. honestly. Well, you I really... are an idiot. Oh. Probably. Uh, this is, again,
0: I think... more, set up more of Bailey versus Sasha down the line. Sure, like, and when that happens. Shows.
1: And when that happens, I'll be excited. But right now, it is, it is eons the way, in my opinion. And it, what yeah, it did you to me a was... story,
0: bro. You don't... You what, You just I, want them to hotshot everything? God.
1: No, of course not. Come on. Don't give me that shit. I'm wow. just saying... What, I, what I'm trying to say is that Naomi, who cares? Lacey Evans had her chance. You know, it's just, it comes down to two people. And I'm just sitting there going, okay, we get there, we get there, we get there. Lacey did a good job. And I'm sure it's entertaining but I thought it went on a little too long. I thought, you know, if we had got down to 12 minutes, it would have been fine, but I think they went a little too long. And I think that it's just not, I, I think I'm, I'm not infatuated with Bailey winning as much anymore. I th- I want to see that what they got next. That's
0: all. I'm disappointed in you.
1: You usually are. Yeah.
0: Um, the other one I do want to say is, um, the first match actually of the main card of the weekend, uh, bliss cross won the tag team titles from the Kabuki warriors. I thought this was a fun match. Um, I think that, I was surprised to see it go out first, but then when I think we saw the actual match, and obviously they taped all these in different orders, they decided, I'm like, I see why they put this out there first, because it was a nice babyface win to kick off the night, and I was, I was very surprised at how well these, I mean, obviously they're all very talented competitors, like um, Oscar, Kairi Sane, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, all great, but I thought just like, this was a really fun match, and a really fun way to kick off the weekend.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, it's nice to have the two women that are probably needing to be on television get the championship so they can actually be on television a little bit more. So I'm I'm all excited for that. The match itself went a little bit too long as well, but again, they got a good amount of time, fifteen minutes, which again I didn't expect them to get, especially with all the matches that we saw. So it was a nice it was a nice showing of the team aspect of both of these teams. I think that they showed the love that Bliss and Cross have for each other as well as kind of like how dominant Oscar really is most of the time. And I really appreciate Kyrie Sane just trying to do basically everything she could to fly around. And I think, again, it, it was a, it was a okay match. It wasn't a great match in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I wasn't looking for it to be a great match. I'd give it a nice B because you know that's that's what I'm looking for um, with yeah. a match like that. Uh, what what is there mm-hmm. anything else that you love though? Because you you haven't mentioned your boy yet.
1: Nah, I'm 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 good.
0: Okay, well, let's you know what. Let's talk about the main event then. Um, even though on Monday we saw that it actually wasn't the main event of WrestleMania 36, so your trivia is going to be all fucked up. But uh, Drew McIntyre did win the title against Brock Lesnar, and uh, the both world titles were finish offs. And uh, but Drew's, I thought this one was better than the other one. Um, but still, the actual match it did not do much for me. But seeing Drew with the title did give me a good feeling. So I guess we got that coming from it.
1: Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar in four minutes and 35 seconds. Again, Brock, if he was in front of a crowd, I'm sure this would have got a lot longer. I think having the crowd feel it would have been a lot better. We didn't get that 3-2-1 as we were talking about in previous conversations. So, again, I think you could see the disappointment in Drew's face, and I think it dripped over a little bit. And I think that – I hope I'm wrong, but I think that there is a portion of this that feels like he's going to – I'm hoping I'm wrong, like I said, 100%. But I really hope he doesn't take this internally as a disrespectful thing to him that this virus happened. But it's just – I think he takes it personally that he's not winning in front of 80,000 people. And I think I could kind of see it in his face, especially during the the big show thing and we'll talk about it later. But, like, it's just, like, I think, like, he just has such a sour taste in his mouth. And I hope that it doesn't stop his growth. I hope it doesn't stop this trajectory that he's getting because he deserves it. But I hope it's not – going to be a mental obstacle for him going forward
0: well so one thing i think it was uh i think our boy Ray Ray watched it because he was talking about on the zoom maybe it might have been when you hopped off for a little bit was he watched like the special about him and drew was really honest about that and he said like yeah it sucks it sucks but you have to make the most of it and the one thing that i look from him now is that i think it's going to continue to make him hungry because yes he reached his quote-unquote pinnacle moment But he didn't really have that moment, like we've just kind of said here. So I think when he first gets back in front of a crowd in his first big match, maybe it's at SummerSlam if that's – I don't know if that's realistic, but that would be the earliest I think you could put it at. And whether it's a rematch against Brock Lesnar or against someone else, I think that will truly be his moment and his test. And I think he is the type of guy with – you know, obviously we've seen the trajectory of his career and how he's grown and how he's changed. I think he will remain hungry in this process. Um, But, yeah, obviously in the short term without the crowd, I think it does hurt him. And um, I'm curious to see how how they deal with him as a champion without a crowd and going forward because it is going to be a challenge.
1: You can't get a babyface over if you can't get a reaction. It's true. And it's hard. hard. You can have a heel, do whatever a heel wants to do. But having babyface champions, the whole reason you have somebody out there is to have a crowd behind them. And by having two babyface champions now, again, both of them well-deserved. But it's just so much harder to get people to like them. You can't feel it through the television screen. Like Braun Strowman against Goldberg and Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar, in my opinion. I think we had this conversation already in the chat, but it was it was essentially the same match. It, it, it just had a certain purpose. It was done, boom, done. That's what it was. And it was just to, to further what we were doing. And I think by doing that, I think by treating it as if it was an assembly line matchup, like it was already a foregone conclusion, let's just get it done and get it over with. It takes away from that special feeling. Like, I know not for the guy itself. Like, Strowman, you could see how happy he was. You know, Drew was very happy. But I think for as a fan, it makes certain aspects of wrestling feel like it's stupid and, and unnecessary. Like, it just felt like, again, these are foregone conclusions. These things don't matter as much. We're just doing this to get this to this person and play hot potato until we get, you know, set back or whatever. And I think those are the moments that definitely, like, these moments to me, they mean something to us because we like Drew McIntyre, we like Braun Strowman, so we'll remember that. But you got to remember last year, Kofi Kingston, how much groundswell he had. That's a moment for a world championship. You know what I mean? That one will stand the test of time. Neither of these, in my opinion, will stand the test of time. And honestly, the only reason they're going to be remembered is because both of them won their first championships. That's really it. Yeah, and it, just,
0: you, you saw it. Obviously, when we were watching it, um, I just... The match, the Braun-Goldberg match was awful, but when he won, like, I was jubilant. I was excited because I'm a Braun guy, and the timing for Braun is just so crazy because this probably should have happened two years ago, but it happens now in front of no crowd when he's the guy who needs a crowd more than anyone because he's so incredibly over with the roar and everything else and whatever. So between that timing and then the timing of, like, his uh, comments on the internet that pissed off a lot of people um about indie wrestlers so it was already a negative taste in his mouth and this is the time that he wins it it's just so wild but I will say um when you watch that interview of Braun backstage of how like how much it meant to him and you could feel it we kind of saw a little taste of it with the IC title too, his first singles title you could just feel it when he was I don't remember if it was with Kayla or whoever but his emotions it was just like it makes me kind of emotional because this is a guy I've been rooting for for years you can tell how hard he works and it's Yes, I think him, for him, it's a, it's a huge seminal moment, but again, the same thing with, that it is with Drew with him is going forward, like, how are they going to do it? Like, I mean, it could be a feud with The Fiend right away, it could be King Corbin, like, we don't know, because I don't think Roman's going to be around anytime soon. I think that's where the money is eventually, is like, you would hope that SummerSlam match would be Roman-Braun. They've had great matches in the past, there's no reason to think they couldn't have it again, but it's also the character question now with Braun, because he's currently obviously a big babyface, but... If they're going to have him feud with Roman, we know they're very against making Roman a heel. Are they going to do the Braun heel thing again? Which I'm not always into because he's just, like, he's just, the live crowds. he's just such an overpresence. So, again, I think they're, they put themselves in tough booking positions with their top titles, which I get why they want to do it. But at the same time, going forward, I think it's going to be a challenge for them.
1: Mm, it definitely is. <sighs> Where else?
0: Well, I would we're, say we're, we're the, the only real super positive I have left, because I believe we have, we have five main roster matches. I will say the live Natalia match and the Gulak Cesaro matches in the pre-show were good, and um, the best spot from that was uh, when Cesaro uh, was spinning Gulak on his shoulders with no hands, and that was actually the finish. That was pretty cool. Um, but besides that, I think the only like big notable thing, and we can obviously talk about the other things, but uh, Bianca Belair debuted on the main roster. She attacked Zelina after the Street Profits retained. I think it's exciting to have Bianca uh, with the Street Profits because like, obviously her and Montez are married, but I just like their swagger and their energy is just it's so on point that I think it could be a really fun little trio we got going
1: forward. I gotta say, I think I we'll probably translate this the Monday or maybe not, I'll just do it now. The one thing I've always been confused about is the EST of NXT. Like I never understood what it was and I forget who it was on Monday, but they or maybe she said it on Monday. But it was finally made to me in my head and beat me into, into submission where I was like, I get it. And I like it. She was like, I'm the strongest. I'm the fastest. I did, And I'm like, I wish somebody had made her say that all so the time because now I like She her. has
0: said that in the past on NXT. But I think like in her like her peak, it, she was already established. So they didn't. But very early on in her character, it was kind of like the thing that she was going for when she was doing the undefeated and all that stuff. But I could see why... Cause yeah, I think there definitely there were a lot of people that didn't understand it. Cause when I first saw it, I always thought it was like, oh, established. Cause isn't that kind of like that what it stands for? But yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. But having the ESD, having like I'm the strongest, I'm the fastest, like all that stuff, I I'll, I'll eat that up because I I would believe it. Yeah. But I wish that that her entire career was kind of hit on. I, I wish she had exploited that in promos a lot more. Cause I think that would have been better to to have her do that. But you know now I'm you know it's a reset button, so I can't be mad about it. So it just is what it is.
0: Yeah. I don't have much else to say about that, but uh, I do think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Gronk in the room. Um, obviously, on Saturday, he was hosting and wearing that awesome jacket, which I want. Super hot fire. Uh, send me the link, Gronk. Uh, but your boy, Mojo, uh, won the 24 7 title, stole it from Gronk, and then Gronk got his comeuppance on Sunday night, where he did like a, I guess it was like a kind of a coffin droppy type thing, uh, and ended up winning the 24 uh, 7 title. But uh, what are your thoughts on
1: Gronk overall so far? Uh, I don't know what happened. So I don't necessarily, you know, I'm assuming that there's, I'm sure we'll hear about it later on in life and, and, and what went really down. Um, but it seemed like to me they had him, like, if I had to guess in the dark here, that they, uh, they had him for a certain amount of time and then they just decided to, like, let him go and then let Titus show up for no random reason. Like, it just, it seemed like he was, I think Triple H said in a conference call, he's on Gronk time, which, you know, that's whatever. It's, it is what it is. But it's just, I wasn't necessarily thinking he did anything special about it either. Like, I just, I I don't think he brought anything besides, obviously, eyeballs. But I don't think he brought anything to the actual production of the event. I don't think he did anything that made me go, oh, yeah, I need to watch this. He did have one moment,
0: one moment. So on night two, the opening match, when he was dancing to Charlotte's theme, Charlotte caught a glimpse of him and laughed. And I thought, for me, that was was my favorite part of Gronk hosting.
1: Really? That he, you giggle? That he made yeah, a girl because giggle? it just
0: showed, like, that's, that's no, 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 that's the reason why he's there, is because he's supposed to make you laugh, and that's why that first night when he came out on SmackDown, with that ridiculous music and that ridiculous dance, I, I laughed, and that's what he's there for, he's a comedy spot guy, and, I mean, I don't know if they're ever gonna book him serious, more serious than that, but WWE can always use a comedy spot guy, uh, I think him and Heath Slater would be a good tandem at some point to do some work together, but, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know what his future is besides that.
1: I. I think we're going to see him lose the championship on Raw this Friday, and that's going to be the end of that. That's what I think. Interesting. That's all.
0: All right. Well, now um, we have four matches we haven't talked about. Um, there's two I think that kind of uh, are candidates for this. What do you think was the worst match of the weekend? Oh boy,
1: you're gonna put me on the spot me, on that I one. I think it's
0: down to Elias Corbin and Becky Shana. Um, my worst match of the weekend was Becky Shayna because I thought that match was absolutely horrendous. Um, I was not good besides it winning me a shit ton of money. Um, at least Elias Corbin kind of held my attention a little bit, even though it wasn't great. But I'm curious what your take is.
1: I, I'm going to give Becky and Shayna a pass because I feel like we already kind of knew that that was going to be kind of sour. I didn't think Corbin Corbin,
0: Elias was going to be sour. We're talking about Elias. I just
1: just thought that Corbin was going to put him away, so I was a little bit more perturbed with the fact that Elias won.
0: Oh, no, I agree with that. I I remember saying the whole time in the chat, being like, uh, you know, if Corbin wins, I'll be fine. If Corbin wins, I'll be fine. And then he didn't win. But it at least, like, for that reason, I think kind of held my attention, where Becky Shayna could not hold my attention. Like, it just was bad from the bell.
1: I think that honestly, I felt like Elias versus the King Corbin felt like such an arbitrary match, and it felt like it was something I'd already seen 40 times before, even if we haven't. Versus Becky and Shayna, we hadn't seen it, so at least that held my interest in that aspect of it. So I think we're just we're on two different sides of the coin because I think that they're both terrible, and they're both <laughs> re- they're both relatively like one was nine minutes, and one was eight minutes and 30 seconds. So in my opinion, you know Becky Lynch was in the main event of WrestleMania 35, then she's relegated to the middle of the card here. And I think it was just kind of a, like I said, it, it looked like two people fumbling around in the dark, you know, it just, it made no sense. And I think it's just, it, it really didn't help anybody in my opinion, Becky Lynch or Shayna, because now Shayna just feels like a normal person. And Becky Lynch just continues on this tear that nobody really cares about anymore. It seems like, so I feel like she's cooled off. Shayna's cooled off. And I think in a division where you need to be red hot, I think that this is definitely, definitely bad for business.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. The only other two matches we have left is Sami Zayn retained uh, the IC title clean over Daniel Bryan, and Alistair Black beat Bobby Lashley in a match that was uh, competitive for a good time. Uh, I don't really have many thoughts on either of those, but I'll let you give them if you have them.
1: I think there's so many matches on these cards that I would have just been so happy not seeing that these two matches, in my opinion, as much as I love Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn, this could have been on the SmackDown. And I think watching Aleister Black beat you know Bobby with some random black mask after his wife was telling him to spear... It just, again, felt like a Raw, like there was nothing special about it. And I, I, I've i said this before, that WrestleMania back in the day had these random matches nobody cared about, and they're doing it here too. But, I mean, you could have trimmed, I think you could have trimmed all of this and made it all one night. There are so many matches on this card, I think, were not necessary.
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And I think we should get into the uh, the uh, main part of the program, which isn't really the main part of the program this week, but we will get into the shine of Raw. Um, you'll always be in my shine, moi, Um, And I will say that Raw was very different from what I've ever seen uh, Raw being um, in the fact that it was truly almost three hours of complete wrestling, which I think was kind of cool to see in a nice mix-up. I'm just going to start off with the kickoff. It kicked off with Asuka and Liv Morgan, and I thought this match was incredibly competitive. Um, I think this is the second straight night of Liv uh, having a good showing, even though this one was in a loss, which I think makes sense. Asuka is a dominant force. She should win. But I think it's a big positive for Liv going forward that they're trying to find uh, space for her in this uh, new world. And I think since she's there, she's going to have opportunities. But I think it was uh, it was an interesting way to kick off the quote-unquote new season of uh, Monday Night Raw. But I actually enjoyed it. I
1: thought this was the best that Liv has ever looked. I think obviously Asuka needed to win because it's Asuka. But – I think that I've learned in the first two nights, I guess, uh, Liv facing Natty and Liv facing Afka. She went against two people that WWE sees as kind of the people in terms of putting on best matches and, and hanging. And, I mean, she hung in there for a very long time and got a lot of offense in in both matches. So I think that I would say, I'm not going to give my comeback, but I'm going to put the uh, the Nestle searchlight on Liv Morgan. I think I'm yes. very interested in seeing what happens. So I, I'm, I'm. she has now become a person of interest. I
0: like it. And can you admit to now, because I know our boy, the Joe Stopper, is uh online i mean i said it when it first happened and you kind of no sold me her theme music WrestleMania, it bumps i
1: gotta say it's growing on me I but i think it. i need to listen to it more
0: oh I just, just so. trust me it just when it when i heard it at wrestlemania and then i heard it like again on monday i was like man i really 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 like it because it's like an it's interesting it's whimsical is a nice i think word for it it's just it's I like it, I think it kind of fits her because, I don't know, just like the the vibes I'm getting for her now, I just think it's a good fit, and it's part of the reason I'm really enjoying it.
1: Mm, what else okay. did you like from Raw? Well, I like that they kind of had Bel Air finally have a match to say, finally, she was only there one night before. I like that portion of it. We're going to talk about something else, but I think that it was nice to have her display what she did in that match, and like I said earlier, the commentary really gave it you know the business in terms of how great she was and what she was, fastest, strongest, you know, hardest, whatever. That, to me, like, I, I was all in on it, and I thought that that Zelina did a decent enough job. The before and after, I'm not too big a fan. I'm sure we'll talk about it very quickly in a moment, but, yeah, it's just that portion of it I was definitely in on when it came to Bel Air.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that she had a good two-night showcase, and I'm excited for her work going forward, but I'm going to skip past the rest of that and go to something else that I was uh, intrigued slash excited for, um, because, obviously, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, two of my guys, I love these high flyers who... Kind of, you know, are just, we're kind of no man's land. And sometimes what you do when you have two really talented superstars in no man's land, you stick them together and you see if it works. Uh, so Ricochet and Cedric Alexander are, it appears, a new tag team. And they actually faced uh, our boy, Oni Lorcan, alongside Danny Burch. And what was a very fun tag match, um, there was another match on here that got like four segments. This only got two. I thought this would be a candidate to get more. But I still really enjoyed what I saw. I'm intrigued by this duo I don't know what their ceiling is, but I think it's something in the short term where it could be a lot of fun and it could set up some really exciting matchups in the tag team division.
1: I couldn't care less about oh Ricochet God. and Cedric. You're such a fucking size shamer. You, you, want, you want to know why? Here's here's why. Because none of them can cut a promo. None of them can make them, make anybody care. They can't have the crowd with them for a while. That's in not a true. Ricochet, to make a new...
0: Ricochet has the
1: crowd. No, he doesn't. All yes, he, he, does. Does. He, he all he has to no, do is fucking
0: come out with a smile and that fucking son he already has him. Then he does one this, flip and everyone's an awe.
1: Nestlemania is so
0: out of fucking bounds.
1: No, it's not. This tag team right here will not have any ceiling past mid-cards. They're going to be jobbers for jobber's sake. I they are going to be sitting there until they win the titles. they if they win, that's fine. It doesn't matter if they oh, win anymore because oh, okay. those titles don't mean anything. But I'm telling you right now, this tag team, I give it mm, I I give it six months and it'll be gone. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Well I think I, I
0: think it is a short term thing. I think it's something for two extremely talented guys that are awesome that everyone loves to kinda of like find their footing again. Um, for Where are the sure. Viking
1: Raiders? Where's AOP? Where are all the uh, actual
0: teams? I don't know. Maybe they're quarantined or maybe they're not there, but these two guys are there and I think it's exciting and I think they would have a great match with the Street Profits. I also think they'd have good matches with AOP and Viking Raiders because I would love to see the matchup of the size versus speed. I think this just creates a lot of fun opportunities in the tag team division, a division that you always get shit for for not being good enough and now they invest in an incredibly two talented wrestlers putting them together to create even more great in the tag team division. You have a problem with it? I have a problem with you.
1: I think you're absolutely insane. You're thinking they're investing? No, they threw these two schmoes together. They were like, oh, we don't have anything. Yeah, so, uh, Jaycee, I think it's, it's a favorite forward. two it's, guys, who yeah, don't do anything. They don't have anything you know, okay, well, let's So exactly they're, they're it investing
0: is. in them and in the tag team division by actually investing, being like, let's invest. Do this. It's
1: an investment. Investing, no, no, no. Investing would be having a thought and, a, and, a, and where to go with it. This one was Oh God! I don't have anybody to pick on my tag team, so I'm going to pick Cedric. That's exactly what it came down to. You know it. I know um, they it. Won. Everybody else knows they, it.
0: They're one and no as a tag team. WrestleMania. So no, I got they're two words no, they're not. For you. No, they're Suck not. No, they're not. Do your
1: homework. La- no, I know they wrong. lost Do last you... week. Shut up! But they, they were lost officially... last week. Yeah, you're wrong. They weren't wrong. officially okay.
0: a tag team yet, though. They announced Yes, them they as were a officially a tag... tag team. No, they weren't. They were just no, random, not. random pairing. JC, JC, you have no leg to stand on. New year, no new records. Everything resets after WrestleMania. Boom! Reset nope, nope. button. They're one and zero in the new you, season.
1: You you are the worst. You are you're the like worst saying, when you know you're yeah, wrong.
0: That's like saying that. Oh yeah, the this the they, they lost the game last season. Doesn't matter. It's a new season. There's been one week and they are one and zero. What else? They did, you did like it from last week.
1: Rock? Last yeah, week. that was this pre WrestleMania,
0: so that is last season. Suck it, bitch.
1: I To you know you're being a bitch because you're sitting there going, Ricochet and Cedric are going to move mountains. Cut they it are, out. Oh, I can't Cut wait. It it's it going to be amazing. Mountain. You move. know what they're going to make? You know they Move what mountain move, movers, <laughs> you know what they're gonna make me have a bowel movement. That's what they're gonna make me have. Yeah. Go to the, no, to why? you gonna they be wrestle. so
0: excited your stomach's gonna get uneasy. No, you know what makes me uneasy?
1: Watching them. That's what makes me uneasy. That's not true. That is not true. Do you have any more shine? No, I'm good. All right, get them off my TV, get them off my TV, get them off
0: my TV. I think we're gonna get to the lead because uh, we didn't get to see the real main event of WrestleMania. The night of WrestleMania, they were teasing it all night and it kind of, it did keep me there on Raw. It kept me intrigued and I actually ended up catching up and watching this part live because I was like, what happened? I just assumed it would be that Brock Lesnar came out and beat the shit out of Drew McIntyre. But no, Drew McIntyre came out, had an awkward interview with Sarah Schreiber, whatever her name is. And then, well, it's the big show out of nowhere. There's a freaking quarantine travel bans and this motherfucker gets to Florida And pretty much, literally, when his music hit and they cut to Drew McIntyre, he had such a great reaction because it was the same reaction all of us had at home. They're just like, are you fucking kidding me, this guy? And he comes down and he talks about how he's not going to demand a match tonight or whatever. And then he fucking goats McIntyre into a match. First of all, you have the babyface saying he didn't want a match, which is why this is already heat. Because your new champ that you're trying to make look good, you make him look like a chump refusing to fight. I don't care if he just fought 20 minutes ago. If he's a fucking Drew McIntyre, he says he is. He would have agreed to it right away. And then he's like, there's nothing you can say to make me do it. And I'm like, well, he's going to slap him. Sure enough, he slaps him. And I will say, like, in terms of I know what they were doing, they're trying to showcase McIntyre a little bit. And now they can say that he defeated Brock Lesnar in the Big Show twice in one night for a championship. Because, you know, there's someone in another company who did something not the same because he won two titles, but something similar. And maybe they can now use this as, like, a trump card. But at the same time... It's the fucking Big Show, and this was like his heel turn number 8,000, and I just was it unexpected, and did they have me on the edge of my seat thinking that Big Show might actually win? Sure. But at the same time, like, what are we doing?
1: I was actually worried that Big Show was going to win. Same. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I agree. That's I thought probably it why it was a win, but still. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was it definitely made you think of something, especially with, you know, what it was happening. But it, it makes me think to myself, like, OK, Big Show is only there because of the Netflix special and everything. But then I thought, oh, God, he's going to parade that stupid championship. Around. So they played with my emotions. So I give him the tip of the cat with that. But it was just I don't think the Big Show has ever really been a threat, like for the longest time. So it's just weird to me that they were like, yeah, let's parade the Big Show out after WrestleMania because they could have just changed the scenery and been like, "Hey, your main event of Raw is you know not over 24 hours, but they had the fact they had to stay 20 minutes, which was again stupid in my opinion. But again, I don't think it was the best thing they could have done for Drew, but at least they made it seem like something to remember. I guess instead of giving him a four-minute match, he actually had a 10-minute match with Big Show. It's true. So I guess overall, he he wrestled I guess a, a main event-worthy time. So you know it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I don't have much more to say. It. Um, I will say at least gave him something short term, Um, but yeah, is what it is. What
1: else you got? Stuff I did not like. Yeah. Uh, Well, Diana Peraza loses again, but Diana Peraza doesn't care, as you've seen on Twitter. So Nia Jax has come back, which again was a big deal. Um, Was it? You know, I'm guessing to her it was a big deal. I mean, I guess it was, uh, but yeah. Shayna Shana and, and Becky had these promos where Shayna no longer like knows what to say. She just says the same thing over and over again. And Becky says this thing where like now she's she's saying how great Shayna is. It was just weird. To, like Shana, The whole point of this entire thing was just like they both didn't like each other, but now they have newfound respect. I didn't understand it. I just thought it was odd that Becky was just kind of like, oh, she's a great fighter. She's this, that, and the other thing. It's just like, no, that's not what brought you to the dance. Like, don't don't do that. Like, don't ever say stuff like that. Just – Go back to being what you were. Like, go back to being a cocky little bitch. Like, that's that's what we want to see. We don't want to see you being humble. Like, fuck that. Especially where you won by the skin of your teeth at WrestleMania. Like, that's that to me is one of those moments where I was just like, uh, whatever. And then, of course, we're going to get into the part that I, that, that I really fucking hated was we had a tag titled rerun match, which then got a DQ because Lena got in there. We talked about the good part of Bel Air. And then we got into a fucking six-person tag, which you know I don't even want to talk about. It just seemed like it was at least 45 minutes of these people who can go so again i didn't i didn't really hate that portion of it but what the fuck like what the fuck are we watching and like this just felt like dragged out city and it must have been four segments it felt like it just kept going on and on and on i must have fast forward once we hit the six person thing because i said okay let me just get to the finish We'll bel-air beat selena because that's all we're gonna do and of course that's what happens
0: yeah it was uh it was a lot it went on a long time and uh Whatever. Um, another thing, that I, I kind of referenced it earlier. I don't know if it's like superheat or anything, cause, I mean, especially because it's two-year boys, but Apollo Crews' uh, superstar shakeup to Raw, with, uh, they kind of said, they tried to make it sound like there was like some draft pick thing, but they didn't explain it. It was just kind of like, oh, he's around. Let's have him lose since everyone else is beating NXT talent. Um, and this match shocked me that it was four segments. Um, I started to fast-forward it, thinking it was going to be quick, and then I just found myself. I just kept fast-forwarding, fast-forwarding. So I can't really just speak if it was good or not, but It just felt really out of place, and they're continuing. The reason why this is heat for me is because they continue to not really have a defined direction for Aleister Black. Like, yes, he just comes off this big win of Bobby Lashley uh, that came out of nowhere. Like, when is he actually going to be, A, either in a big feud like he was with Murphy, which was exciting, or is he ever going to chase a title? Like, these are things that I'm curious about it that he's not getting.
1: I really... I really don't know have much to say right now because I feel like you're in the heat and I want to talk about this in a certain other segment that I'm going to bring up later. Okay. So I'm going to tell you to put that in a, in a pin and I'll talk about it in a little bit.
0: All right. Do you want to run through our other jobber alerts? Because there were uh, plenty.
1: Denzel Dejeney, thanks for coming. Jobber alert. Gianna Perrazzo, thanks for coming. Jobber alert. Oni Lorkin and the other guy, technically not a jobber. Not a jobber but very close. That was competitive. But it was, it was competitive. I will say it was very, very close. Very close to the time. I'm gonna start doing clocks on all these people, but it was close. Did I miss anybody?
0: Um uh did you get Shimmy Shimmy Yeah? He
1: beat Oh someone. Shimmy Shimmy Yeah faced uh, oh that's right, Vinco, whatever from Australia. Yeah. What a what a putz that guy is. That guy that guy has that guy has two left feet. I've never seen anybody that's like six ten. If I if I look like that guy I would, I would probably have a tiny like, – I would have so much money. I'd have everything in the world. That guy looks like something that you should put on a poster. But the minute he starts walking and starts moving, he has no control over his body. That guy literally is a Ferrari outside, and on the inside must be a pile of shit. I mean, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That guy, couldn't, that, that guy is a bumbling, scumbling, fumbling idiot. That guy right there is not worth your time, folks. End of story. Moving
0: on. Yeah, I I had never seen him before. I had no idea who he was. Um, so, yeah. Zinc,
1: because that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna really have
0: terror in people's minds.
1: You're facing Vink. <laughs> uh, not well... zinc, not not zinc, not protecting your sunlight, not not putting it on your nose so you don't get a nose, you know, a, a burn on your nose. Vink. Vink. Vink sounds terrible, terrible.
0: I don't disagree. Um, do you have any more heat, or should we should get hopeful? Because I don't remember anything else that's... that happened.
1: Let's get hopeful.
0: Glorious. You are my only hope. Do you want to go first do you want me
1: to go first? You teased the Undertaker thing. You perked my interest.
0: Okay. So I did. So this was something I was just going to mention uh, earlier when we were talking about the Boneyard match because this was another positive thing I took from it. But I didn't really have another hope prepared that wasn't like generic uh, about one of my people that I loved just winning a lot. Uh, so I thought I'd put it here. And so when I was watching that Boneyard match the second time, I was really thinking, I was like, man. I wouldn't mind if this was kind of like an Undertaker type thing that they do just going forward with him because him, like in generic wrestling matches or whatever, doesn't work. Even if it is more of a pre-taped and it doesn't have to be like this, this level of production, but I was like, there is one match that I think everyone would want to see and I think it would really benefit given that both the guys are geriatric jobbers now having this level of production and I'm going to make it my hope for WrestleMania 37 in LA. I want to finally see the match between The Undertaker and Sting. I don't know what the stipulation would be for a match. But I wanted something like this. Something weird. Something because with those two obviously two of the more darker personas in wrestling history. They're the two guys that never really had that true matchup. They never really had it. And obviously they're both old now. And I don't want to watch them actually wrestle. But I think if you do something similar to the Boneyard match or the Firefly Funhouse match. With those two. And do it for WrestleMania next year. I think it could be a home run. And I would pay to see it. I would want to see it, and this is, I would honestly, like, I think if they put that out there that this would be happening, I think people would get hyped for it. So that is my hope, um, is that I want The Undertaker and Sting to face off in some sort of pre-produced cinematic-type match next year at WrestleMania 37.
1: That is an excellent hope, although I'm thinking to myself, there's no way Sting would win any match in WWE ever.
0: But again, we knew AJ wasn't going to win. It didn't matter. I still enjoyed it. Just like we knew that Cena wasn't going to win and I still enjoyed it. It's just the fact of like, take me on that ride and do things that I didn't expect you to do. And that's what happened in those two matches and that's why they were so
1: incredible. Sure. Absolutely. Makes sense. My hope is going to be something that we kind of glanced over when it came to uh, SmackDown was the, uh, the truth will be heard graphic. And I'm thinking to myself, they finally had this whole thing with the, the Otis and Ziggler and Mandy and Tucker and unra- you know, unraveling and GTV kind of mentality, hacker or whatever. You seem to think that it's a guy with a clear white hand. I think he had a little bit more of a tan hand. I think it's Ali. I think it'd be great. I think it's having Ali based on the fact that they keep making comments about him being a, a, a police officer and being justice to served and all that stuff. I think they can really tie this in and play it out and, and drag it out a lot longer and making him a not a superhero perhaps but like almost just the vigilante that we need and i think by having that glow mask and all that stuff i think if they do it right and they just tweak it a little bit here and there i think by adding him being a vigilante and maybe giving him a different perspective of something and be having that hood and not knowing who it is possibly i think it could give him that feeling of that he's you know ricochets the hero on raw maybe we have a smackdown superhero and i think that he flies around enough that i would be okay with it And i think he has a little bit more charisma to, to hold through and i think that he could add a lot to this especially if a babyface keeps getting screwed like you know otis kept getting screwed i think that it, it would be helpful i think if eventually long term if he turns heel it could also work in, in the other guy's favor too by manipulating footage and different things here and there i think that it'd be good i think that it's, it's a nice little b or c storyline that people could get behind and he doesn't need to be there every week i think he just picked and choose what you can add into.
0: Yeah, no, I I like that idea.
1: Yeah, but you don't think it's Ali, so you know
0: whatever. Uh, yeah, so um, do we want to talk about that? Just like sure, me. go ahead. What do you think it is? Um, so I I don't think it's Ali, and my main reason being that when they showed the hand, it was a pasty white hand. Our guy TJ agreed with me. Um, but uh, I one thing that I thought of, and I I this I could be completely wrong, and I probably am wrong, but I thought it would be intriguing is that they've obviously been doing some killer cross vignettes at NXT. What if that was a way to make you not expect him to actually be debuting on SmackDown as this hacker gimmick? So that is uh, where I'm leaning right now. That is my shot in the dark for this hacker gimmick.
1: You guys are awful. If you guys you guys have never understood wrestling ever one on one, I mean, for the love of God, yeah. Chris Cross is going to interrupt. He's going to interrupt Champa and, and Gargano in the middle of that thing. Okay, and then and then Ali is going to be this thing, and then you guys are both going to. I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be sitting there with the, the Shawn Michaels chops. Well you that's see, all I'm gonna you know do. what my
0: problem will be is if Ollie is this thing, is that I'll fucking go back and look at this hand and be like, that wasn't him. Then so they just fucking. It's like when they had fifty people being the bunny. It's like I feel like I got screwed. Red herring. Who cares? Move on. I do. I see. I care. Nestle, as someone who is very big on details, I know you're clearly not. <laughs> it's a red herring. Let it go. Well, Let that's what I'm go. saying is that you you think that. You no, know, I think you're on here. I think I'm right, and when I'm right, I'm right. Boom. Um, That makes no sense, but sure. So is your face. Good one. Don't call it a comeback. He's been here for a year. Arrah, arrah, arrah. My comeback goes to the big deal, Titus O'Neil, who was a big deal. He was the host of WrestleMania when Gronk left. There was only one man to call, and that was father of the year from, I don't know what year, Titus O'Neil. But I thought he did actually a fantastic job. Um, I thought it was great to have him on my television. So my comeback goes to Titus O'Neil. What a shitty comeback. Better than your
1: comeback. I don't even know. actually I know what your comeback's gonna be, but my comeback goes to Apollo oh, yeah. fucking Coons <laughs> Exactly. because he this man went from literally nothing and being in a three segment match with Alistair Black hanging his hanging his hat with them, holding his own, doing his thing. And unbelievably, and I think this is the part that I think that, you know, clearly he's not a nestle guy anymore because I've disowned him. But it was nice to see Apollo Crews get some love, especially on commentary, because you fast forward, I'm going to overstate it a little bit. They went out of their way to talk about how great and how much potential and all this stuff and having a reset, a new start, and yada, 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 yada. I think this is going to be a moment where in time we're like, you know what? We're going to see a little bit of a run here. I don't know how much it's going to be, but I think they're going to make a little bit more time. Maybe it'll be like Cedric where they get tired of him in a couple of weeks. Maybe it'll be like Ricochet. He'll fizzle out. Who knows? But at least, you know what? It's exciting. It's different. It's new. So you know what? I'm excited to see that Apollo Crews finally gets a little bit of a shine here. And I think considering how many times we've joked about him not doing anything and how long he's been there, I think this is a, a substantial comeback in my opinion. That's well, all I'm saying.
0: i let me put it for you this way because you've probably done this every year. They literally have done this the past three Mondays after WrestleMania with Apollo Crews or or, uh, SmackDowns. Like, he changes shows every single year. He has a match where he looks incredibly competitive, and every single person goes, Apollo Crews, they're finally going to pull the trigger on him. You know what happens after a couple weeks? We don't see him again until next year after WrestleMania.
1: You know what? I'm right. You make an excellent point. (laughs) But you know what? It doesn't matter because sometimes you get your hopes up. And right now, I'm hoping that I am being fooled for the third time and this one's the charm. Okay? Okay. That's honestly,
0: that. that's fine with me because I i look at, I like Apollo Crews. I don't think there's anything wrong with him. Obviously, he lacks charisma in a big way, but I still enjoy seeing him and would love him on TV more. But, uh, you know, it's just fun to crush
1: your hopes every now and then. Well, you did a great job of crushing my hopes.
0: You're welcome. Uh, let's get into the big finish, one, two, three Uh, jobberknocker.com, that's the website where you can find all the links to the podcast, we're on iTunes Uh, Anchor (laughs) Stitcher uh, Spotify, Google Play archived on YouTube, except for not recently, Uh, but all the old ones are there, Uh, give us 5 star 5 flames, we appreciate it, that is how you can hook us up so to speak, uh, obviously, com. We have NXT, NXT UK, AEW, and NWA Power weekly articles, as well as opinion pieces that will pop up there from time to time. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Twitter at Jabberknocker, at NestleMania, at JC of the JK, at DQ of the JK, at Ray Ray of the JK, at BillyD2411, at Joe Pollock47, at TJ of the JK, and at The Real Deal B Cox. Facebook Jabberknocker, Instagram Jabberknocker, because we are everywhere. You want to be on
1: social media. There you go. I don't think there's anything else we can talk about. I think we've exhausted everything and everything. So I'm just going to take it from you and say we'll be back next week with more Jobber Knockery. All right, all right, all right.